Welcome to the Full Potential Podcast. I am your host, Nick Wagner Sr. And every week, I interview guests that share career stories, ideas, and experiences to empower and inspire people to reach their full potential. If you enjoy the episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. Thanks for listening. Uh, welcome, everyone. I'm Nick Wagner Sr., and this is another episode of the Full Potential Live Show. And we do this every Sunday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you have never joined us before, welcome. And for those that are coming back, I appreciate you uh, joining again. Uh, we do this every Sunday. We interview amazing guests like Audrey, who we will we will uh, have introduced herself in a second. But the whole idea is to uh, hopefully inspire uh, all of you with the with this the career journey of our guests. And uh, we do this live on LinkedIn and YouTube, and then we end up taking the audio and turning that into the Full Potential podcast, which we share on all major podcast platforms. So uh, tonight we have, uh, and, I, and I think I described you, Audrey, as an as a like a global HR expert, is I think how I described you in one of my one of my LinkedIn posts. So um, I will let Audrey introduce herself, though. So we have Audrey McGuckin, um, and she is a small business owner. She owns her own business. And she's had an amazing career journey. So, Audrey, welcome to the show, first of all. Thank you. Yeah. First of all. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. It's great to be here. And if you want to just, you know, if you want to share what I love to hear guests kind of maybe share is like, say you're at a conference and you meet someone for the first time and they're like, hey, so who are are you? Who's Audrey? What do you usually tell them? Yeah. Normally what I would say is that I'm a, a really bold CEO and 1.7% of the population of, of women CEOs that actually turn over a million dollars in revenue um, each year, um, incredibly passionate about leadership and people. That's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've interviewed people from the corporate world, people from entrepreneurs, we've interviewed people from the nonprofit world, and including a, a lot of really talented women. So you're a uh, you're in good company with the other women that I've definitely interviewed on on my show. So, uh, you know, again, I know you have a you have a lot going on. So, thanks for making time. Of course. And I, I always so this is all about your career. So this is all about your career journey. So we're going to get to hear about your career journey, and I want to always start at the beginning because you know more than usually for most of the people that I've interviewed, when they were six or seven years old, they didn't say I wanted to be this when I grew up, and they ended up being that when they grew up. So. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb and, and probably guess that you didn't think you were going to do HR, you know, consulting and leadership consulting when you were little Audrey. Um, so what, what, did, what did you want to do when you grew up, when you were a little girl? Like, what, what was your dream? Yeah, and, um, you know, I, 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 what I tell people and when I reflect back is that I absolutely did not know what I wanted to do. And, and I don't know that I had a big dream, Nick. Um, but what I did know is that I could do anything that I put my mind to. Um, in other words, I had strong self-efficacy. Right. Efficacy. Right. And, right. and I didn't know what that term meant, <laughs> of course, growing up. And I didn't know what that term meant early in my career. But I would come to know that term later in my career as I coached executives and as we explored this um, this principle of self-efficacy and um, uh, all of my memories um, looking back and in, in my childhood, I, I always have these memories of um, just being confident to say I can do whatever I need, whatever I need to do and whatever I want to do. I love that. And that is something that, uh, 
know, I think self-confidence is, as you know, right, with some of the people you probably work with, is a struggle for a lot of people. So the fact that you remember that you were that self-confident, even as a little kid, I love. Uh, so when you were, and, and I think, you know, I think the really interesting thing, and we're going to talk a little bit about how you, you're basically a world traveler. You've worked in many countries and, and traveled to even more, but you even more. But you grew up um, in Europe. So you want to share a little bit about where you grew up and, and you know, what that was like growing up. Um, I, I think it was, was it in Glasgow? I know it was in Scotland, but it was in Glasgow or near Glasgow? It was, it was um, actually a small um, mining village in between Glasgow and Edinburgh. And um, the name of the village is, is Stonyburn. And so um, that, that's where I grew up. And I'm sure the, our listeners and viewers will know by my accent that, that I'm that I'm from from Scotland originally. Yeah, and I, you know I've worked with uh, in, in my career. I've, I've you know because I work for a global company, we have an office in Scotland, and I'll I'll tell you that all the people in Scotland that I've worked with have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, so gr great great people. So you were in Scotland growing up, and uh, you went to school there as well. So was and I always like to ask this because I think it, it I think everyone's a little different was was a little different. Was was going to college or university, as they say in Europe, something that was always something you knew you were going to do, or was that something that you know was a discussion with your parents? How did that go? Yeah, and that's a great question, Nick. And you and I have haven't had this conversation, um, but um, I, I didn't go to college um, right after school. Um, in fact, I left school when I was sixteen, and. And, the, you know, at the time, there was probably 2% of my class went to college. Wow. And so it was um, it was very unusual to go to college. Um, and, and so you and I hadn't had that conversation before, but that was that that's part of my story um, that I didn't go to college right out of school. Yeah. And, and I know you ended up going later in life. Yeah. What was um, so you, you, mean, you mentioned it was a mining town um, the, the, where, you, where you grew up. So. What, did a lot of people in the town end up working and end up working and staying in the area or did they end up leaving? Like what was, because I think, you know, I, I think it really, to your point, the expectations about if you're going to college, you know, early on, you know, you know right after your, you know, your, you know, typical schooling, I think really kind of depends on the culture of where you live and, and the demographics of where you live. So what, mm -hmm. what was, what was it like there? Um, yeah, um, I grew up in the, the Margaret Thatcher era. Um, she was the first female prime minister. There were coal mining strikes. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of money. There were significant economic issues. And so college really wasn't an option coming out of school. Um, and getting a job fast um, was absolutely necessary. So, so you, didn't go to, you didn't go to college right away or university. What was your plan? Because you, you got a, you you you've been you you you've been employed in human resources um, for you know a good amount of time in your career. Yeah. What was the plan out of school? What what did you want to do? Yeah, and I think what I would um, let me let me um, prefix that by saying um, for for folks listening, and I know this is um, predominantly about hearing from people around their careers. And, and what I would say, Nick, is you don't always need a game plan. You don't always need to know yeah, what well it said. is that you're going to do. And it doesn't need to be beautifully laid out. 
Um, you know, I, I listened to the CEO of LinkedIn um, interviewing Oprah and, and he asked her, did you always know that you were going to have a network? And she said, hell no. <laughs> uh, of course I, I didn't. You know, my, my dream was to, to present on TV. And then once I presented on TV, my dream was to have my own show. And then once I had my own show, my dream was once I had my own show, my dream was to have um a, a network and so um I, you know i hold that up as an example and often we we coach people to say you don't always need a game plan but what you do need is you need a really incredible vision um and there has to be emotion connected to that vision and you have to feel it in your belly and that vision has to be yours um you know, I had the benefit of I had the benefit of attending a, a workshop very, very early in my career, um, three decades ago, and the workshop was really on the power of affirmations, um, and that was before affirmations were really a thing, um, right. and so it was many, many years ago, and um, the lessons I learned there have stayed with me today, and so it's the power of affirmations along with this ability to visualize. Um, just the next, um, just the next thing, and and what it's going to be for you. But it doesn't need to be a beautifully laid out game plan. Uh, and I, I I like that you stated that because I actually think that most people's prayers are not a beautifully laid out game plan. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I meet very few people that know what they want to do when they're a little kid, go to school for it, and then do that for their career. It, it usually it's 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 a a windy road for most people. Yeah. So, um, so, so tell us then, so what was, how did you get your first job? What was that job? And, you know, what was the, to, to your point, you didn't have that game plan. So how did you make it happen? I know you, obviously you, you said you had the confidence even from early on, but how did you make it happen? Yeah. And, um, so I left school at 16 and, um, there weren't really that many jobs to be honest, um, Nick at the time and, and the government had created this program and it was called a YTS um, um, it was a youth training scheme and it paid um, well below minimum wage um, but, but but we would take those roles just to start getting experience and right. so there weren't really that many options and so I would do that and then I was bartending um, on the weekends um, and then um, then I really thought, okay, what, what's my next move? And I thought, you know, maybe maybe it's working in a factory. And so um, I went to work for a company called Bird Brown. They were um, headquartered in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, but um, they had a location in Livingston, which was then called Silicon Glen. Um, and so I went to, to work um, in, in the factory on the shop floor and I was putting parts on the printed circuit boards and um, I, obse um, I observed a lot of things from that vantage point, um, particularly a lot of things around leadership. Mm -hmm. And what I, I saw was the way to impact that was through HR. And so the, then my next search for a role was really about how do I get into HR? And, and that wasn't easy either. And um, 
I saw a company called Jable, that we'll talk more about, um, had recently came to, to Livingston and there were four guys that, that started up um, the, the, the first international location in, in Scotland. Um, and um, the, the CFO had interviewed me and, and actually hired me into that role. Um, I was hired to do the filing and make the coffee and call people and answer the phones. Um, but they ended up growing really fast and I got growing really fast and I got the chance to grow with them. And, um, you know, Forbes as a leader saw something in me um, and he, they, they ended up sponsoring me through to my master's in, in human resources. And so there's a couple of principles that comes out of that story, Nick. Um, one is talent can be found in the most unusual places. You just have to be looking. Right. And if you see somebody that you believe in, dig deeper and really find out and how can you help that leader or how that how can you help that that person really flourish and grow and you know that's part of the principles that we have at the firm is how do you how do you unleash the power within leaders and you have to be looking for that right and um no absolutely and you know it's what's interesting it's what's interesting is getting your first hr job is extremely difficult even if you have an HR degree, it's difficult because, as you know, most people want senior HR people. They want HR people that have experience. So the fact that you, you landed an HR role without having any HR experience or an HR degree shows like you, you clearly they clearly saw something in you. And, and you know, obviously they saw the confidence in you and, and you proved them that you could do it. But um, I, I love that story because it's, it's not easy. It's, it's really not easy to get into, into the HR field at all. And so tell me about, um, about Jable. So what, what did they do? Like, what yeah. was it something, was it something that you were super interested in at the time or it really, when you were just looking, were you just looking for a job in HR? Like, it's, you know, walk me through that. Yeah, I was, you know, I was really just looking for a job in HR and, um, I, I knew that I, I needed to find, um, uh, to find, um, a, a smaller edgy, firm because there was an edginess to, to my personality and so I knew that um, it, it couldn't be the um, you know maybe in the financial sector space I knew right. it could be putting a suit on and going in Edinburgh I knew that there had to be an edge to the culture and so um, Jabel ended up being a really incredible fit for my culture um, for, for my own personality and um you know, I had a, a great manager at the time. Her name was Alison Kennedy. And um, she she shared with me everything that she knew. She never she never held anything back. And I, I learned tons from her. Um, Alison ended up going on maternity leave and, and I stepped in for her. And um, and when she came back, I, um, I couldn't go back to what I was doing. And we'll use this term later, and we'll use this term later on in the story, but there's a Greek philosopher, um, Heraclitus, and, and no man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. And so this, this principle of you can't go back Right. Once you've went forward, and so um, 
you know, once I had the bug of um, running the HR function, then I couldn't go back to playing second fiddle. And um, that's that's been a story that the, that's been something throughout my career. And so at the time, the general manager said, well, you've got two options, Audrey. You can either go and run manufacturing or you can go to Florida and um, be their training manager out there. And so I hadn't been to the US before. Um, and so I decided to, to get on a plane and go to Florida and um, run the, the learning function, um, run the, the learning function for the campus, which was huge and, and it was growing at the time. And so um, I, I think, you know, one of those other principles, which is, you know, don't be afraid of what you don't know. Um, and, and, you know, I think we're known at the firm and I'm known for being um, pioneering um, and not being afraid to take those steps. And I would encourage um, your listeners as they're thinking about their career to say, um, where are your fears and what's holding you back? And what might that look like if you could let go of those fears? So, so that must have been a pretty big, number one, opportunity for you. And number two, a pretty big change because you're you're leaving home ultimately and how was that you know how was that personally on you to leave the country where you grew up where your family was and and move to the united states yeah it was um it was really tough um i had just lost my dad to to cancer at the time and um so my mom was was on her own and there was a significant pull um, emotionally to stay, uh, to stay, um, and yet there was a significant pull to go, and and it's uh, this is again back to leadership, which is there's there's never black and white answers, right. and there's often dilemmas to be solved, and that was that was a big dilemma for me, um, but but ultimately I um, my mum got on the plane and we went to Florida. We got my apartment set up and um, then then my, my career took off in, in Florida with Jabel. And how, how old were you, Audrey, when you moved, when you made that, that, uh, that <laughs> across the Atlantic move? Yeah, I mean, people always ask me for the years and dates. I was 20 something. Yeah, um, you're, okay. Right. So, so you're, you're, you didn't have a family then. You, no. you're, 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 yeah, so. I, think, I mean, I think to your point, I think that probably made it a little bit easier. Obviously, with losing your dad was probably tragic, and your mom was going to miss you. But at least you didn't have mom was going to miss you. But at least you didn't have. Um, it's easier to do something like that and move halfway around the world when you don't have a family and kids and a mortgage and things of that nature. <laughs> um, so you know, I want I want to talk about this right? because you hadn't done. I mean, so you're you're now moving into your second HR role, technically, right? This learning role, and. What do you think it was at, at the company, Jabel, that they saw in you? What, what did they, because again, it, it wasn't, you got all these opportunities because of what, what you produced and, and, you know, your track record. So what do you think they saw in you where they kept giving you opportunities because you ended up having, what, maybe 10 roles at the company throughout your time there? Yeah, yeah. I had a number of different roles, which was incredible um, and proved for a, a really fruitful learning experience. You know, and I, and I think some of the things that, that people have saw in me that they've told me is um, nobody can really outwork me. Um, see, 
Um, so I have an incredible work ethic is, is the, the first thing. Um, I think another thing is, is around this sheer grit and determination. Um, I remember, I remember one of the, the the first pieces of work that I had to do when I came to Florida was I had to teach um, lean um, manufacturing in six six six. Never taught that before, and so I thought, okay, well, I need to figure this one out. But um, what made it even tougher was that, that we were teaching it to um, some of the folks on the manufacturing floor. And that included a lot of Vietnamese, um, a lot of people from Thailand, a lot of people from different parts of the country. And um, when, when you put somebody with such a, a, a strong Scottish accent, strong Scottish accent <laughs> in front of those people and that, that I'm trying to learn this lean manufacturing as well, that, that, was, that was tough. But we pushed through and that was an incredible um, project that we did. And so I think the, the, the message from that is push through, grit, determination, find a way. Um, there's always an answer. That goes back to the self-efficacy, right? It, so I, I want to ask this because obviously, um, like you probably saw people in your life that had that grit and that work ethic. Who who do you attribute that? Like, who did you learn that from? Um, you know, I would say that there there was no single figure that I would say was that one person. Right. But I grew up in an environment where um, there weren't really a lot of boundaries, boundaries. Um, there, there wasn't a lot of, no, you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of, if you want to do it, you have to make it work out. Right. And so I, I learned that from my mom, from my dad, from my grandparents, from from the, the community, which is, um, Nobody ever really says no, but if you say yes to yourself, then you should as heck better figure it out. That's interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, again, it, it's, you know, where you grow up is really helps mold who you are for the rest of your life. And, and clearly um, it, it helped you quite a bit. So so you moved to Florida and you, you, you took on the learning role and then you ended up taking a couple other roles in Florida at, at Jable and kept kind of, you know, moving up throughout HR. But then you had a, you know, I was, I was, I was checking out your LinkedIn before this, you had a really cool opportunity to then go to another country. <clears throat> so, uh, you end, so, uh, you end, ended up going to Singapore. So ex- explain to me what made you jump with the opportunity to then leave Florida and, and go to, a, you know, continue your journey around the world. Right. So, uh, we go, we'll go from Glasgow to the United States to Singapore. How, how was that? And what was that like? Yeah, it was great. And, and let me just do a couple of edits on that journey. So I went from um, Stony Burn to Florida. And while I was in Florida, I actually went back to Scotland for a couple of years to head up some um, merger and acquisition work, then went back to Florida and then went to, to Asia. Then, then went to Asia. Yeah. And at the time, um, Jabel was really doubling down in their investment in talent and leadership. And at the same time, they were growing their Asia region. And so it was the fastest growing region and it was um, their largest employee population base. Um, and, um, 
and yet they they were the the least mature in the talent and leadership practices because they had grown so quickly. And so um, my boss at the time was Bill Peters, and he said, um, you know, if if we truly want to be a global organization, then we have to have global talent practices. And that means that we need the perspective of the people in Asia. And you can't really get that perspective when you just fly in for a visit. You have to go and right. live there. And so uh, that was the reason I went, Nick, was really to, to learn what does it take to implement global talent and leadership practices into places like uh, China, India, um, Taiwan, um, and yeah, so that was that was the, the the single biggest reason for moving there. I actually have twin, seventeen year old girls, and they were ten when we ten when we moved there, and they wow. were they were fourteen when when we came back, and um, so honoured to to be in that 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 region and um, have them experience that as well. So it was a great personal experience. Um, and it was a great um, career experience, but it was um, it was pretty tough as well. Yeah, and I want to ask because I think a lot of people think about or or talk about or dream about trying work work outside of their home country, right? So whether whether you're born in the U.S. or wherever, the thought about leaving your your home country and going somewhere else to work, what? you've done it now you you did it twice right i mean um what are some of your your thoughts on that you know pros and cons i think i think a lot of people think about it but a lot of people don't go through with it it sounds like you had a really good experience but what any any but what any 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 advice for people that are thinking about it yeah i would say be open to the possibilities um i i did a lot of prep before I went I didn't do a lot of prep before I said yes I said yes immediately and then when I said yes I said okay how are we going to make this work out and um, there were a couple of things that that I did Um, one thing I made a commitment to do was to not spend all of my time with the expat community but rather spend time with the local community and so um, I, I spent a lot of time and made some amazing local friends that weren't expats and um, you know on, on purpose I, I reached I reached out um, wider than my network and don't be afraid of the uncomfortable you you have to get uncomfortable to be able to learn and able to learn and the, the learning is is really the, the it's almost the diamonds and the and the experiences, the learning that you get from it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point because I think, especially, you know, where where you went in Singapore, there is a large expat community, so it probably could have been very easy <laughs> to actually just you know maybe hang out with Americans or Europeans um, and not hang out with people that were local to Singapore. So I think I think that's great advice. So, so you mentioned you were there for um, it sounds like you know three three four years somewhere around there. And then you came back to Florida. What as you as you moved throughout all these different jobs, was this a process where you applied for these jobs and then they picked they're like, all right, Audrey, you applied, we're gonna take you? Or was it more around, hey, Audrey, we need you to go do this, and you kind of got tapped on the shoulder and you went and did this, and then hey, Audrey, we need you to go do this. How how did that work? I think that's a common question people have. Um, people have 
on how do you find that next role in an organization? Yeah, that's, um, and I love that question, Nick. And, um, you know, the, sometimes the, there will be open positions and you'll, you'll apply for them. I find that that's not very often the case. Um, <clears throat> what I find is the case that you demonstrate capabilities. Somebody sees those capabilities and then the opportunity um, finds its way. And if it doesn't find its way to you, you have to find its way to, to it. And meaning, you know, how do you really get into influencing and, and sales mode? And how do you um, really demonstrate your capabilities in a way that people can't imagine doing it without you? And yeah. so um, I don't know that I ever, I, I never really applied for the job in Singapore. I never really applied for the talent manager role. But, um, but, um, but for sure, I was demonstrating those capabilities and I was influencing people along the way. No, I, th I think that's well said. I think that's, I think that's great advice for people, people listening or watching. Did you, I guess my, my next question is, is around this progression throughout Jable. At what point did you know you eventually wanted to become, you know, the, the chief talent officer and you wanted to keep climbing and getting larger roles, the more responsibility. Like, was that the minute you moved to, to Florida for that first job? Was that a few years after that? Like, how did, how did, how did that happen? Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to cast my mind back and, and really try and process that, but I'm not sure that, um, I'm not sure it was so definitive. Right. Um, I, I tend to have a personality where once I master things, things, then I'm ready for the next thing. You're, you're time to move on. Okay. I, it's time. <laughs> and I think, you know, part of self-efficacy is this mastery. And as soon as you master something, you're ready for the next thing. And mm -hmm. so yeah. what, when I nail something, it's like, okay, what's next? No, I think, I think, I think, I mean, I think that's probably a pretty common trait with people. And you, you have, you, I think you alluded to it earlier. You had a great opportunity to try a lot of different things at Jable uh, throughout the HR function, which I'm sure as someone who likes to learn, you probably really enjoyed that. Um, so I want to, I want to pause on Jable because I want, I want to ask the, the difficult question is your chief talent officer at a company you've been at for 15 years that has brought you from your your home you know your home country of, of scotland to the us to asia back to the us and at this at, and at that point you know it was you know a couple few years ago three years ago a few years ago three years ago you decided to leave and actually go work for yourself so i this is a dream of many people i know i've talked to a lot of people that dream of doing this one day so walk me through how, how did that happen did you plan to do this for for years and then and, and then start your own business you know how, how did how did this all play out because i think yeah. this is a, a very common question i think it's people great, have that, that yeah. want to work for themselves it's a great question and um you know i i worked with a dear friend um in jable who was a consultant patricia bregman and um throughout our relationship she would say um you know, Audrey, what are you going to do when you finish at Jable? Are you are you going to be a consultant? Are you going to go into that space? And I was like, oh, I would never go into that space. Never go into that space. No, that's the last thing I would ever want to do. I can't imagine myself doing that. Um, 
and I and I really remember no that that just wasn't on my my radar at that time, um, but really, thing you know what I think what emerged was I started to get real clarity on um, what am I good at and what do I like to do, mm-hmm. and um, to be honest, I don't know that I'm I'm a terribly great HR person. Um, what I am is an incredible talent and leadership um, person. And so that's really where my passion lies is this piece around um, strategy and talent and leadership. Um, it's not in the compensation space. It's not in the employee relations space. I'm just not good at that. And I think the more mature you get, um, the more comf- um, the more comfortable you get with what you're good at and what you're not good at. Um, and it's back to this this um, Greek philosopher quote um, as well, Nick, which is, no man ever steps in the same river twice, for it's not the same river and he's not the same man. And so when I came back from Singapore, um, I was a different person. Right. Um, I had grown, I had changed. Um, when I came back, Jabo had changed as well. The corporate headquarters had changed as well. And so I had um, I had conversations with board members. Um, I had conversations with the CEO. I had conversations with some, some of my trusted advisor. Um, and I remember one of the conversations with the, the, the board member and um, I, I would go through this, this process of um, what do I want to do and here's some of my golden threads. And, and some of my golden threads were um, where um, I want to do incredible talent work. Um, I want to do new and innovative talent work. Um, I want to stay in St. Petersburg now because of my daughters. Right. Um, I, I, I want to be my own boss. And so she said, well, Audrey, I think you need to go to Office Depot. I think you need to print a business card and you need to start pounding the pavement. <laughs> that, is that what she said to you? That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. That's and so funny. And so, you know, the, I, I don't know that it was one thing, Nick, but but having gone through a lot of reflection, having um, gone through a lot of conversations, um, I gifted myself on my 50th birthday a startup. Interesting. Yeah. That's Interesting. So, so that was that was over three years ago that, yeah. that, you, that you did that, and you know I think many people would would look at you. Many people would would look at you and say, "I can't believe you did that." You had an extremely successful career, right? I mean, obviously you were well thought of at the company. You've done all these different things. You've worked globally. Why not just continue working there until you want to retire? I think a lot a lot of people might say that to you. That obviously wasn't wasn't your plan. So. so you you leave you leave Jabel after a very successful career, and you start your own your own business. And I think you know I th- I guess my question for you is did you did you have a real sense of what you wanted to do for that for you know for your Audrey McGuckin Leadership Solutions? Did you have a real vision of what you wanted to do right out of the gate? Yeah, I did, and it didn't take very long. Um, and I and I and I hadn't been I hadn't been processing this through my career at Jable. You know that was never on the horizon. But once I made the decision, then um, the 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 vision really came to life. Vision really came to life, and you know I never really wanted to be um, just a consultant. 
and I never really wanted to be an independent contractor and I never really wanted to be a sole trader. I wanted to I wanted to set up a firm um, and I wanted it to do big things and I had big dreams and it wasn't just about me, I wanted a team um, and I wanted to have massive impact in, in organisations and so um, lots of people set up um, as independent contractors and consultants, and they want to stay as that one person that was never part of my plan. Um, it was always to set up something bigger than that. And 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 you mentioned earlier that leadership and and talent development and and, it was, and solutions was really what you loved about HR. It wasn't compensation or employee relations or and you know because I think for a lot of people that you know out there that are not HR professionals, there's a lot of different things you. Can there's a lot of different things you can do with an HR and a lot of them are very different. I mean, compensation is a perfect example. It is very, as you can imagine, you know, numbers and financial driven yeah. and, employee, and employee relations, I think is probably one of the hardest things with an HR because you're yeah. dealing, you're dealing with problems every day, all day. Right. So, uh, when you, when you, so you started the business, you focused on, on leadership. What was it like? Because you had this amazing career and it was, you weren't doing sales and you weren't, you weren't the CEO of Jable, right? I mean, you had an entire infrastructure around you because it was a large corporation with you know tens of thousands of employees. What was it like to all of a sudden be your own boss and be in charge of, be responsible for everything? Yeah, well, first of all, it was incredibly scary. Um, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, but, um, you know, when I look back, Nick, I don't think I've learned so much um, as I've learned, my, you know, and my, you know, in the last three years in my entire career, and so um, right now I do very little um, customer execution. I do it with some really special clients. Right. Um, a lot of my work is around business development, um, customer relationships, um, sales and marketing, finances. Um, compliance <laughs> um, and so I'm really playing that role of the CEO versus the the person that does the work and so I have an incredible team that, that does a lot of that work um, but, but one thing that was just so beautiful that I didn't really know before is that I really love being a CEO versus um, a practitioner and so the, the impact that I get to have from that vantage point is wildly different. No, abs no abs absolutely. But in it, it's again, it's interesting, I think, as as we mature through our careers, what we end up understanding about ourselves, about what we like and what we don't like. And I think what we don't like is typically as, as important as what we do like. Yeah. What 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 did your because obviously you don't just quit a successful career without talking with your family first. So when you told your family including your daughters, I'm assuming you had, they were in the part of the conversation, like, hey, uh, mom's going to quit her job to start my own business at 50 years old. What, what was their reaction? I mean, what did they think of that? Yeah, and I think, you know, I've always had a very supportive family, Nick. And um, one of the things my daughter Emily said was, just do what makes your heart sing. What else is there to really talk about? So um, I'll sum it up by... Um, Saying everybody was wildly supportive, and and Emily was um, very inspirational. Um, very inspirational. That that's I mean that I think that makes a big difference because yeah. uh, obviously having your 
the support of your family for a decision as, as large as that is obviously is super important. So explain to our audience. So, so what do you get? What does your company actually do? Right? So what would, uh, if someone was to call, call you and say, Hey, we want to hire your company. What would people be calling you for? Yeah, we do four things, Nick. We help organizations build leadership capabilities. And that means leadership development. It means coaching. It means finding those leaders um, in the most unusual places. Uh, the second thing we do is talent management work, which is around succession planning and right. assessments. Um, the third thing we do is organizational development, which is communications and change management. And then the last thing is um, diversity, equity and inclusion. So we're helping, as you can imagine, a lot of organizations right and a lot of organizations right now um, through a, a lot of the, um, the racial injustice and, and some of the, the, the work there. So that, that side of our business is, is exceptionally busy. So those are the four things. Um, those are the four things that we do. But what's more important, Nick, is what does it feel to work? What does it feel like to work with us? Um, and so when you work with us, you can expect us to be really bold. Um, we, we have um, a mantra of truthfulness, which is we're going to call it like it is. Um, and we're, we're, if something doesn't smell right, then, then we're going to say that. Um, you can expect us to be really innovative and agile because we're small and scrappy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the how I grew up and, and early on in my career, um, a lot of that finds its way into the firm and it finds its way into our culture, into our culture. Um, we are obsessed about the client um, engagement component of our work. And so um, it's not for everybody. Um, and, and typically for, companies will decide early on if, if we're the right firm for them. Um, but the great news is that we get to decide, decide who our customers are also. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's interesting, Audrey, because you and I are both in the HR field. So I think we have a, a, a interesting viewpoint of what HR is today versus what it is 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Because I think when a lot of people think of HR, they think of a couple of things. They think of what you said earlier, employee relations, like, oh, uh, am I in trouble with HR? Or they think of payroll or they think of, oh, HR hires people. But you just you just rattled off, you know, four things that a lot of people don't think of when they think of HR. And I think the, the cool thing about being in HR um, today, um, today in 2020 is it's, it's HR helps set the strategic direction of most companies and talent is typically today one of the most important things in any company. And I think the way that HR is looked at today versus when you started your, your career, when I started my career is very different. I think so. Yeah. And, you know, I am. Um... Nick, you know that I do a lot of work with the conference board in, in New York City, and they just, um, their CEO um, research for 2020, um, the number one internal stressor for CEOs is talent. And yet, there are so many organizations that, that really haven't got their arms around it. And, um, and I think that that's the intersection point for us, which is how do we help those organizations that are um, incredibly worried about talent and yet they're not actually sure how to strategically go about, you know, building a game plan around talent. Yeah, no, I, I think that's well said. Yeah, no, I, I think that's well said. And it's it, it interests me 
you, I think you really see successful companies, in, to your point, invest in talent and, and really make sure that their employees are, you know, they have the professional development they need and the training they need and, and the resources they need versus the, the companies that aren't as successful don't invest in their people. And I think you really see that, a vast difference between those two, those two worlds. So I want to I want to go to the uh, we'll go to a rapid fire question session before we wrap up with you tonight. And I, I really again, I really appreciate you making time and, and, and sharing your career journey with us. So what would you say to this to, to date would be the biggest success of your career? The biggest success of my career, um, even though it's the most recent, I think it's um, the firm that, that I've started in the last three years. Well, it's, it's yours. So I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised yeah. to hear that. So on the flip side, and I always ask this not to relive horrible memories, but to figure out what you learned from it. What, what was the biggest failure of your career? What was the biggest failure of your career, uh, you know, that, that you experienced? You know, and I often get asked that question, and I'm not sure that there's one thing that jumps off the page. I think that there's been a lot of spectacular small mistakes and yeah, right. <laughs> all things that, I, that I've got wrong. But I think because of my outlook, and I think because of my mindset, it's like, Okay, that didn't go well. What's next? And so um, I, I don't know that I would really say, oh, wow, this big one thing was my biggest failure, but lots of small, spectacular missteps. Okay. Nope, that's well said. Uh, what is, if you had to recommend a book about leadership, what would you recommend? Oh, that's such a tough one. Um, we have so many. Um, that we're that we're really looking at right now. Let me think about that for a minute. All right, you think about the thing about that one. All right, and last, last thing about the thing about that one. All right, and last last rapid fire question. So I know you went, to, you did go to school for, for HR at one point. What was your favorite course in school? Like favorite class that you you remember? Like you you loved learning it. It was just it stood out to you. Um, I think it was, and when you say school, I I mean school. University, but, university, oh, yeah, oh, college. College. Um, for me, um, it was the organizational psychology and, um, you know, I, I, I think one of my big dreams that I've still not realized is, um, I would like to go back to school and do a PhD, um, and, and in all your, in all your free time, right? Uh, um, so that's definitely on the horizon, um, because I have a fascination with, um, really just how the mind works right. um, and the impact that it can have. Yeah, pe people um, people are interesting creatures, right? I mean, that 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 is what makes HR so interesting is the people, um, and 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 how how unique we are. So unique we are. So, all right. So I always close with the same same question, Audrey, because uh, I I love to get people's thoughts on this. So you've obviously had a very successful career, uh, which started started back in Glasgow, went to the U.S., you know, gone all over the world. What is that one piece of advice you give my listeners in the audience that's helped you reach your full potential? So that one thing that's helped you be so successful, whether it's working for, for Jable in the, in the more corporate world or working for yourself as an entrepreneur. Yeah, and um, I'm going to be a little bit bold and say, can I have five things instead of one? Um, so I would Absolutely. My, my best advice would be um, take time for self-awareness. Really understand what are your gifts but what are your flat spots and get to work on those flat spots fast. Uh, never mind grandstanding about how good you are and this and that and all this focus on strengths. Great. But what is it that you need to get better at um, to be a better, um, to be a better leader? Um, the second thing is if you're going to do something, do it a hundred percent plus. 
no half measures. <laughs> uh, when we work with our clients, we obsess about the experience, and that's just an example. So um, I would say that, that when you want to get ahead, you can't do things in half measures. The third thing is don't be afraid to take a path that's new to you. Jump in, get uncomfortable. Um, it will serve you well. There will be tons of learning. You will be in that learning zone that we all like to talk about. Um, the fourth thing is ask for help when you need it. Um, put pride aside. Um, I think one of my greatest strengths is I'm really not afraid to ask for help. I will raise my hand quickly and I will ask for help. When did you, when did you learn that? Was that something you've always done or was that something you've, as you've gotten like throughout your career, you've learned to do, do it more? I think that was instilled in me from a that was instilled in me from a very 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 young age. Just that the family culture was if you don't know, just ask. I just think I I absolutely love that because I say that all the time that asking for help is a, is a sign of strength, not weakness. Yeah. Because so many people are afraid to do it, but we you can't be experts at everything. So why not ask for help? I yeah. I, I love that one. Okay, sorry. So that was number four. Greatest strength and people want to help other people and and I find that there's not that very often people will say no. And yeah, then the yeah last, you're right. The last thing is um, believe in yourself. If you don't have a lot of self-efficacy, which is different from self-confidence, then do some work in that space and let yourself imagine the unimaginable. Um, and as Emily would say, do what makes your heart sing. I, I love that. So again, Audrey, thank you so much. We're going to make sure that we link to in the description on both uh, YouTube and the podcast, we'll link to your your audrey mcguckin leadership solutions website and leadership solutions website we'll link to your linkedin so people can check that out and then i know you also have a podcast of your own where you interview all sorts of amazing guests so we'll link to that as well so if anyone wants to get in touch with audrey to you know learn more about your career or if you have a business and you need audrey's company's help please reach out to her but thank you so much for making time this was it was great to hear about your very unique global journey yeah thanks for having me nick it's been a pleasure Thank you. We'll talk soon. Be well. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Full Potential Podcast. If you'd like to hear more interviews, please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform, including Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify. You can also connect with us on social media, on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And don't forget to check out our website, fullpotentialmovement.com. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing and be well.